Okay, so we started a series last week called God Has a Plan. What kind of God would he be if he didn't have a plan? That'd be pretty pathetic, wouldn't it? He has a plan. And here's the great part. He says, I want you to be a part of my plan. He invites you to be a part of his plan. And then he goes farther than that. He says, I've gifted you to be a part of my plan. I've given you talents and gifts and the ability to be a part of my plan. And today I want to talk with you about when it comes to God's plan, I want to talk with you about trusting him. Trust God. Because there are times in your life that you're not going to be able to see what his plan is. And you're not going to understand what he's doing. I love the song that says, so when you don't understand, you can't see his plan, you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. You can trust him, but you have to choose to. Well, this morning I'm going to invite Amy to come back. She's going to tell her story. Did you notice she wears a hat and sunglasses in church always? Yeah? It's okay to say yes. We noticed, all right? And uh, I wanted Amy to come up, and she wants to come up and just talk about her story and tell you what's going on in her life and what God has done in her life and still doing. So, Amy, come on up. Share with us a little bit about you. Uh, relax. These are friends. Amen? Amen. They believe in you, right? And even if you mess up, they're still going to love you, right? <laughs> She's not going to mess up. Come on up, Amy. Okay, I'm Amy again. First, I need to know, I need participation here. I need to know, am I yelling? Am I, am I talking loud enough? Okay, good. I have to wear noise-canceling headphones, so like either I'll be whispering or I'll be screaming to my husband, so I promise I don't abuse him. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I thought I would take this moment <laughs> before you said anything to remove my disguise. Um, this is what I actually look like. Um, I am not incognito, and I'm not hiding from the FBI. In case anyone, <laughs> don't come after me, okay? <laughs> anyway, but I'll have to put it back on. I'm sorry, guys. I'll say. Okay. Now you know you can't say that you haven't seen it. Okay. <laughs> okay. At age 25 in Turkey... Um, I dropped to my knees and said, I can't live another 25 years like this. I grew up with a sometimes single parent in a very abusive home. I was not left ho when I was not left home alone, I was, struck, I, was, excuse me, I was stuck with one of my perpetrators, including my mom's husband who attempted to murder me at age three. I was terrified all the time. Um, <laughs> I tried to be perfect, amiable, fun, funny, anything to feel accepted. I later realized I always felt the need to be like on, to perform, um, that I am undeserving of love and unlovable if I didn't mask my feelings and needs 
and act perfect all the time. Anyone relate? <laughs> um, I did this to try to stay safe, but it didn't work. The same thing happened. Same things happened at my biological father's house. There were abusive people in and out of my childhood, and I was not kept safe there either. But there were a couple of safe places. My uh, my paternal grandparents, my uh, my nana and papa, their names, um, and my mom's two sisters. Uh, they they will never know how how much they. They mean and meant to me. But I got to talk about my Nana. My Nana loved and loved and loved me. Um, she, uh, she accepted me. Even, when I w even as a teenager, when I was running the streets trying to escape the pain at home, she became home. She was the first person that I ever trusted. I ever trusted. Um, okay. Anyway. She became home. She prayed and prayed for me, um, and she, uh, I stayed with her a lot, so she had that opportunity to drag me to church any time that she got. So I'm going to tell you this about that church. <laughs> I, I never came away thinking that God was love. Um, I didn't ever hear the message there because it was just fire and brimstone, and I did things. So everything, you know, I was a normal kid. I thought, oh, man. I, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. That's all I heard. Um, it's not true. So, um, but I did, while I was there, I did hear the stories about Jesus and at my grandmother, grandparents' house, too. I knew he was there. I knew that he existed. Um, I just couldn't surrender. It was too scary. Um, but in December uh, 1997, I was visiting Istanbul, Turkey. I was preparing to move there. While visiting, I met an American missionary named Joyce. There in the living room of her apartment, she laid out the gospel for me in a way that I had not understood it before. She talked about love, how God loves me, cares for me, and wants a loving relationship with me. And in that moment, I did surrender on that floor in that apartment in Istanbul. I would love to say that I never struggled after conversion. That's not true. I did. Um, I could not reconcile still who God is compared to the person that I was and how I truly saw myself. Um, it's been difficult at times to see the Father as gracious, merciful, faithful, loving and good, and I know that he is. It's just a moment where you just have to trust because you don't, there are lots of times I don't see that because of, you know, old stuff, but I just have to make the decision and trust him. I know he's good. Um, okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Feeling unlovable is something I struggled with forever. Um, and the enemy tried to use parts of my childhood, my old mistakes and beliefs I've had about myself to keep me sometimes from really stepping into what God has for me and God's plans for my life. But I, it's not about me. I am not enough. I'm not. I will never be enough. But Christ is. All my failing shortcomings, all 
my childhood, everything, he is enough. I don't have to be. I don't try to be, have to be perfect or he's, he's good. <laughs> um, and his grace is sufficient for me and for you and for you. Um, and his power is perfected in our weakness. He doesn't expect us to come and be like, woohoo, you know, is that too loud? <laughs> um, once I started to better understand these truths, my life was different. Um, I lived overseas for five years between Istanbul and Moscow, Russia. And through hardships, many at my own hands, I started to grow and to learn and to lean into him and on him. And I prayed, prayed, prayed. Um, when I moved back to the States after five years, I immediately joined a church and a young adults ministry. And I met women. I met women. There were so many. They were godly women on fire for Jesus, on fire for the Lord. Um, and it, I felt belonging. That was the, such a humongous, just beautiful thing that the Lord did for me. And faithful. Um, hey, I'm a little bit teary. I'm trying to find out where I am. <laughs> um, Anyway, I met an awesome fella. He's not here right now, but, you know, maybe you'll meet him one time. Um, I met an awesome fella, and we were blessed with a sweet baby girl. Three days after our first wedding anniversary. Okay, surprise! <laughs> You're pregnant! <laughs> and I was not, um, I was told that I was not able to conceive. So another time that God was like, he, he was there in everything. Okay. We spoke, uh, we speak a lot about how God created us to live our life together. Uh, marriage brought family, uh, it brought home, it brought stability, it brought joy. Uh, I'm so excited about that. <laughs> um, during marriage, we, our faith grew. We had challenges, but the Lord always carried us through, He was there always. Um, we served in a lot of different areas, but my heart has always been for women and uh, for women to deeply and passionately know the Lord. Life will pull us. Uh, however, <laughs> sometime in the spring of 2021, we were busy running around and serving and, you know, trying to be at the church every time it was open. We were, let's do this. We're gung-ho for Jesus. Um, but I was feeling convicted. I was feeling like there was some idolatry in my life that needed to be addressed. And so um, I just asked the Lord. I said, um, I asked him to remove anything from my life um, that separated me from chasing after him with my everything. I just, that was the one of the deepest and most just realest prayer that I have prayed. <laughs> and a few days later, I fell back on the unpadded corner um, of the arm on our sofa, and I hit my head back here. So I, uh, I was like, oh, my goodness. I remember screaming, like, oh, my goodness, Matt, you know, all of that. <laughs> and um, I lost time. 
I don't know how much time. I was doing my thing, whatever that was. I did get, go ahead and pick up my child from school, but I realized I was getting confused on the way back. We went to church that night, of course. Why wouldn't we? <laughs> and as we were on our way there, I got so tired, and I started slurring. <laughs> Matt says that um, everything's a joke in our house. And uh, so I thought that was hilarious. I was like, oh, my goodness. Matt didn't think so. <laughs> the next morning, um, we went to the doctor, and he confirmed that I'd had a concussion and was told to rest. But rest did not, I did not get better from rest. And uh, before I had even healed from the first one, um, it had been, I don't know, two or three weeks, I was getting into my car and uh, hit the side of my head getting into my car <laughs> and got another concussion. And that's just kind of how it went. I would hit my head and I'd go to the doctor, another concussion, it just kept going. At this point, we don't know I mean, at some point, you don't go to the doctor anymore, right? You're like, I know what it is. It's fine. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> but um, sorry. Uh, because when I hit my head the first time, I had zero spatial awareness. I had no depth perception. And uh, I was just kind of a shuffling kind of a lady. <laughs> so um, I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting better. We went to doctor after doctor. We had test after test. We had scans, MRIs, deep tissue MRIs. And uh, finally, um, we were at the, at, uh, the neurologist's office one day, and I'd had a bunch of tests. And she just looked at me, and she said, I understand why you are struggling so much, because it did not make sense to me. I just, through the whole process, it was, I'm scared, I don't understand, but God, you are good. We have to trust you with, you're faithful, you're good, you have a plan. Um, but I can't say that I didn't vacillate, because <laughs> I did. Um, so we realized that uh, my concussions had been worsened by the brain damage that I had received at three years of age. So uh, that, was, that was like such a relief, right, to understand it better, although concussions and in and of themselves are terrible, but it was a relief better to understand. And the thing about concussions, I know I keep talking about concussions, is that um, once you get one, it's easier to get the next one and the next one, and they are cumulative, the effects. So it's not like, oh, if you know, I didn't know that either. So, okay, <laughs> um, uh, it has been a journey learning to live with traumatic brain injury. Um, there have been been so many tears shed. I'll be honest. Um, there's been a lot of hopelessness at times. There, and there's been depression that just tries to keep in, to creep in, <laughs> to creep in when I'm in a hard moment. But we just keep praising him. And we keep just leaning into him. And we keep making the decision to trust him. He has a purpose in everything, in all of this, and it's good. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, my brain and body just work differently now. So many sensory issues, hence the hat and the glasses, headband. <laughs> um, 
I am super forgetful and absent-minded. Everything is written down at our house. If I get too tired, it's it. I just shut down. It's just, and in those moments, I mourn. In those moments when I couldn't just go and do and be like I thought I was superhero. I'm not. Um, and again, you just, you know, you just have to choose to trust because his way is better. His plan is better. His anything is better. So, uh, uh, anyway, um, and I just live in chronic pain almost all the time. If you've ever lived in pain, you know it's miserable. <laughs> um, okay, so before, I'm so sorry, I'm tearing up. Before um, TBI, we were super active in ministry um, and daily lives. We were serving everywhere, and me especially in women's ministry. And, I'll, and it all just slid away. Right, we started having concussions. Um, we tried two or three times in our home. We had lifeguards at our home. Um, to, um, I didn't want to stop. I knew that God was doing so much. But that was my will. That was my plan. That was not his. And you can't force God to do what you want him to do. That's a news flash. You should write that down. Um, <laughs> so uh, my life, oh, yeah, we were just not able to at the time. Um, my life is very quiet now. It's, it's smaller. Um, for about a year, I, was, I, I did not have any driving privileges, which um, I thought that was the worst thing ever. <laughs> um, no Target runs. <laughs> I'm really unable to visit with friends, um, especially out in public for very long. In close setting, it's great. Um, we're not able to like go out and do things. I can't remember the last time that we went out like on a hot date and I wasn't like at the end of it. So, <laughs> um, the wonderful thing is that the Lord had answered that prayer and really removed the distractions um, for me to focus on the one thing, the one thing, the true thing, the only thing. Um, sorry if I'm getting confused. <laughs> it's been um, through this that I realize, again, I'm not enough. Um, never will be. But again, he is. He's enough. He meets me in these moments. If this is what he has for my life, Praise God. If this is where I am right now, praise God. If I never get better than this, praise God. If I get worse, praise God, because he is good. Um, so um, I'm almost done. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not strong. I'm not strong. Like I thought I was superwoman. I'm not strong, but he is. He's all my strength. He's everything we need. When I'm just like, oh, I can't do it, and I'm trying to do it on my own, he's like, hey, I got this. Um, so, again, um, I'm not strong, but his power is perfected in my weakness. Um, okay, many times after brain injury, I thought, I, I doubted, I thought, well, God can't use me now. God, you know, he can't use me. That was a lie. Um, and he still has plans for me. Um, it's not over. My love for the Lord and for women continues to grow in spite of my health issues. I know I have a thing about women because my heart is for women. Um, and the reality is that none, 
none of this is about me. None of it. It, it hasn't been about me. It's not about my upbringing. It's not about my health or my struggles or my triumphs. It is all about God. It is all about God. It always has been. It's about him alone. It's about him alone. Um, and so all of this, if I, I remember all of this is for my good and joy and for his glory. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. God bless you, Amy. All good. Thank you. God bless you. Don't you just love Amy now? We loved her before, but now we know, right? Amen. Thank you, Jenny. What a beautiful, beautiful story and a difficult story. But to see someone go through all of that and be where she is, doing what she's doing, and still want to do ministry. Isn't that beautiful? It's called loving God. It's loving God. And that's what we just heard is a story of loving God. You know, I don't know everything about you. I know a lot about you, but I don't know everything about you. I don't know where you've been, what your life was like growing up necessarily. But I do know this, and this applies to all of us. Humans have disappointed you. Somehow we're so surprised every time we get disappointed by a human. We're just surprised. In fact, those are some of the greatest stories of our lives. Let me tell you when a human disappointed me. And we'll tell the long story. And why are we so shocked when we're driving down 380 and someone goes blowing past the whole crowd in the far right lane? I mean, not even a lane. It's an emergency lane. Humans disappoint. And we'll talk about it. We've got stories about it. And we laugh about it. Our disappointments, though, they go all the way back to childhood, as Amy talked about. I heard the story of a father that was a great man, a strong worker, and, and he had a family and he had kids and he was introduced to drugs at work so that he could do a better job and he could work longer. He could work days at a time because of these drugs. And he became severely addicted. And instead of his kids growing up and knowing about their great father and how wonderful a man of God that he was and all that, that he could have been, his kids grew up hearing the crazy escapades and thievery and jail time that the, of their father. Disappointments. And some of you are disappointed like that by your father or by your mother. Maybe it was a church situation. Maybe it was a pastor or even a priest if you were Catholic growing up or some other religion. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was an evangelist or a prophet. I mean, we've, we've, we've got all kinds of disappointments in humans. John recorded a time when Jesus had come to Jerusalem for the Passover feast and he was preaching and Jesus was doing miracles and everybody was like, okay, he needs to be our leader. And they started, they started getting motivation or momentum to try to make Jesus their leader. And look at what it says in John chapter 2. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about the human nature. For he knew what it was, what was in each person's heart. Jesus knows that humans are untrustworthy. 
How many of you are human? That means you're untrustworthy. You see, Jesus knew better than to put his life into humans' hands because people can turn on you without warning. People have their own ideas of what should happen and their own agendas, and they can turn on you very quickly. And God calls us, God calls us as humans to embrace his way of doing things in life and for us to become as trustworthy as he is, as best as we can. And so today in this short sermon, hopefully it's short, I, I will, <laughs> Amy, we were so grateful you did great. Don't take that. You did awesome. You did awesome. Please, I, I, would, I would take that over the rest of this any day, all right? When we look at this and we see that God is trustworthy, we got to see that he calls us to be trustworthy as well. As you're now a representative of Jesus, because you can trust God, your responsibility is to become trustworthy. Today we're going to continue our story about Joseph. And last week we talked about how his brothers, remember when his brothers were jealous of him? We talked about that last week. And they sold him into slavery instead of killing him. They wanted to murder him, but one of the brothers stopped him and said, no, that's not a good idea. So they sold him into slavery, and that's a whole other story, the people that he, they, he was sold to. And they took him to Egypt and sold him in Egypt. All the while, they tried to cover it up with their dad. They took his coat, remember the coat of many colors, they stripped him of it, and they cut it all to pieces like an animal had attacked him. They cut a goat up and put some goat's blood on it, and, and it just was a mess. And they took it to the father and said, look what we found. And the father, Jacob, he was like, oh my goodness, my son has been mauled by a, by a wild beast. He's dead, and, and he just knew that that's what had happened because of what his, his other sons had brought to him. Well, all the while, Joseph is over in Egypt now, and he was purchased by a wealthy man. And this man's name was Potiphar. Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's secret service. This was a big deal for him to be purchased by this guy. And it's kind of interesting because Potiphar noticed that something was different about Joseph. He realized that Joseph wasn't sold into slavery because he was a, a difficult person or because he had you know, problems in his life and he was a, a, an issue. He was sold into slavery because his brothers were jealous. And Potiphar realized that this guy, there was something different about him. And so not only did he purchase him, and buy, but he ended up putting him in charge of his entire household. Things were going really well for Joseph. I mean, think about it. You're, you're sold into slavery, and suddenly you get to this place, you're in town, and you've got this beautiful home that you're living in. Things are starting to look up. And he's put in charge of the household. Things were really looking good, but God could see that this wasn't the path to the palace that Joseph needed to be on. Remember, God had a plan for Joseph that was different than this. God had shown him in his dreams that one day his family would come and bow before him, and God had a plan for him to be in the palace, not at Potiphar's house. But Joseph, man, things were going great. This was all good. This is a good situation. And so Joseph would have lived the rest of his life and retired from this situation. Why? Because it was a really good situation. He would have never sought going after what God had planned for him had God not stepped in and did something to stop it. All throughout this story, we read that where Joseph was, the Lord was with him. 
he showed him kindness and granted him favor. And while Potiphar uh, and while in Potiphar's home, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. That's what the scripture says. So and it says that Pharaoh could see that the Lord was with Joseph. And so he put him in charge of the entire household. What an amazing thing. And we know that God was carefully watching over Joseph, wasn't he? Do you believe that? But then something horrible happened. Everything was peaceful. Everything was going good. But then suddenly something horrible happened. Potiphar's wife was a problem. Everybody say Potiphar's wife was a problem. You ever had? Yeah, she was a problem. I won't ask. She came to Joseph and started seducing him. Aren't I pretty? You want to you want me? And she started trying to get him to sleep with her day. It says day after day after day. She came with her temptation in his life. And boy, don't you know, she was probably pretty. But day after day after day, Joseph said, no, no. How could I do such a thing against my God? I cannot do that. Well, one day she was in hot pursuit. And she, uh, she, she grabbed onto him. She said, Joseph, come here. Well, Joseph, you know, you can imagine, he's got his coat on, and, and she's grabbed his coat, and she's trying to seduce him. And he comes out of that coat, and he backs up, and she's, she's holding it, and Joseph is like, I can't do this. I can't do this. So he takes off running. Well, she's got evidence of a conflict with him, and she begins to, Potiphar comes home, and she says, hey, this is what happened. And she's crying. He tried to rape me. I can't believe he did this. And she's got his, here's the evidence. I've got his coat. He left it here. He just threw himself at me. And she, she was so, so upset that Potiphar got angry and frustrated. But here's the thing. He threw him into prison instead of having him killed, which tells you what? He probably didn't believe Oliver's story. Why would God allow this? Joseph was a great guy. Why would God allow this horrible situation in his life? You see, if God was with Joseph, wouldn't Joseph have been protected from such false accusations? Just stands to reason. God would have protected him. Why did God allow this? Because God had a plan. He had a plan. Joseph had to trust God that God was shifting him and changing the direction of where he was going. And Joseph had to trust this. You see, at this point in Joseph's life, he had learned not to trust humans. His brothers had sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife had done what she did. And now he's sitting in jail. And for 13 years, he sits in jail. He couldn't trust humans. But somehow he kept trusting God. Things were finally working out for Joseph. But here comes Potiphar's wife. You ever felt like that in life? Things are finally going to work out. Wow, all that I've worked for. I've gotten traction in life finally. And then someone comes along and does something. They betray you. Someone comes along and they, they leave you. Something happens. A difficult situation happens. I can imagine that all throughout your life you've experienced this. Finally, I'm going to do it. And someone flakes out and it all falls apart. 
You ever been there? You have to remember, God doesn't just know what's better for you. God knows what's best for you. And he's not going to settle for what's better. He's not even going to settle for what you think is really good. God knows what's best for you. And he will change the trajectory of your life to make sure that you get to that place. You just got to trust him in the process. When we moved into this building, it was a step of faith for us. At the time, we didn't have a water bill. We didn't have electric bill. We just, we just met where we could meet. And when we moved into this place, we were going to have a big rent. We were going to have all kinds of utilities to pay and all of it. Maintenance and expenses to keep the place looking nice. Suddenly, everything was coming together after all the years of growing and, and trying to build a church. Suddenly, it seemed like everything was coming together. So we signed the contract for this place in January of 2020. And we would be moving in in May with all these big bills. And we would need to grow. And you, know, you guys know what happened in March. And even more than that, you know, at the least, at the least, we needed to, to at least keep the people that we had, right? We needed to at least keep the income as to what it was, and we could finally, or we could find a way to make it through that. But you know what happens when you move into a new building or something? There's always some people that want some power. And we had that as an experience, and there were a couple of people, and, and it was tough because they were big givers to the church, and people that give a lot of money to the church think that they're going to have a lot of power in the church. Not in this church. <laughs> Why? Because we trust God. So they left. COVID has happened. <gasps> then we started having people losing jobs. <gasps> but look where we are today. We were never late on a bill, never late on rent. God always provided. Amen. Trusting Him. <laughs> Truth is, God was pruning us. He knew what needed to happen for us to be able to grow healthy and strong and have who we have today. Amen? Amen. He was pruning us. He was protecting us and watching over us. And he was doing that. You see, God knew that Potiphar's house was not Joseph's path to the palace. God knows what needs to be pruned out of your life. He knows what changes need to be happening. And he knows what his best is for you. He knows his direction for you. And you've got to be willing to go through that pruning and difficult time and difficult struggle in order for you to get to that place. Are you following me? God knows these things. Joseph made the decision to trust God. When I was in high school, I, I, uh, I was on the wrestling team. And I remember one specific day I was frustrated. And I don't remember exactly what was going on in my life at the time, but I was frustrated with, with where I was headed. And for some reason, I had decided that day. I remember looking at, in the mirror in the bathroom at school. I remember looking in the mirror and saying to myself, Today, I'm changing the direction of my life 
and I was going to turn away from God. My brother was a wrestling hero. I was known as Jerry's brother. He was four years ahead of me, and everybody still knew my brother. And I told myself that day that at practice tonight, I'm going to go and I'm going to do everything I can to be better than my brother, and I was going to change the direction of my life completely. Practice that night came. I was hitting it hard. Honestly, I felt like I was in a, a real groove. You know what I'm talking about? I was doing so well that my coach was like, hey, Eaton, come over here. Show them how to do this. And he was using me to show them how to do it. That night. Man, I was feeling good. I was like, this is going to work. This is awesome. In a break time, I was going to work on my neck a little bit, and I went up on a, a, a bridge. Thank you. Appreciate it. Went up on a bridge. Nobody was on me. Nothing. I mean, we'd been doing bridges and all this stuff for, for months and months and months, right? And um, all of a sudden, I believe God touched my neck and it went out. I was in such severe pain that when mom picked me up, if she let off the gas a little bit, it was killing me. I spent months with a neck brace on. Didn't get to wrestle anymore that year. Went back the next year, and I was so far behind, I just gave up. God changed the trajectory of my life by touching my neck. I believe that. Probably wouldn't be standing here today because of the decision that I had made earlier that day. And I have learned to trust God through whatever situations I'm going through. And Joseph had to do the same thing. Even though it looked like God had turned his back on him, Joseph believed God was with him. You see, Joseph trusted that God had the best for him still ahead. And I can't imagine if I had followed through on that decision in my life. And I'm so grateful that I didn't. And what Joseph didn't realize was millions of people would be hoping and praying that he would get it right because they were counting on him to get it right. While he was sitting in prison for 13 years, people were going to need Joseph to become the leader of that nation. And we're going to talk about that next week. And it is so awesome to see what's even still there today remains of Joseph's ruling in, in Egypt. The truth is, Sometimes God does give people the opportunity to do something big for him, but they fail to trust him. And God is going to give you opportunities in your life to be to be a border buster for somebody to help someone get through a situation. God's going to give you that opportunity to be trustworthy in someone else's life. And you need to make sure that you're ready to to fulfill that. But you also need to know that there are going to be times that people fail you. And instead of pointing the finger at those people who had opportunities to do something but they didn't, instead of being frustrated or angry with them, it's time to trust God. Because God will put His finger on you and touch your neck. God will do whatever it takes to make sure that the, the trajectory that He has for your life is in place. And you're where you need to be. And the truth of the matter is, over 400 years later, Joseph's descendants, his brother's kids and his kids, called Israelites 
They would be delivered as slaves from slavery in Egypt themselves, and they would wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because they didn't trust God while they were in the wilderness. All they did was whined and complained and got frustrated. And God, why are you, have you brought us out here to kill us? And that's what they would say. God brought us out in the wilderness to kill us. And God got so frustrated with that. Look what he said, look what it says in Numbers chapter 14. God asked this question to Moses and Aaron. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old and more, who is counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb. God said, what you grumbled about, I'm going to give to you. How many of you want to grumble to God after hearing that? The Israelites decided not to trust God. Not trusting God, listen, is a misidentifying issue. If you're not trusting Him, then you've misidentified Him. You're saying He's less than God. When you don't trust Him, you forgot who He is. The Israelites, they complained and groaned. While they were still in Egypt, they were like, Oh, God, this is your fault. Pharaoh is making things worse because of you, God. And then when they get to the desert, they complained because the the water tasted bitter to them. They complained because they were hungry. They complained because they were thirsty. They complained about God's mission. They didn't like it that they were going to have to go in and fight these giants in the land. They didn't like it. They complained about it. At one point, they longed so much to go back to Egypt to go live back in slavery because their lives were at least secure. They at least knew what a day would look like instead of just wandering around with God. They said, God brought us out here to die. And God said, all right, if that's what you believe, I'm going to let it happen. And for all that complaining, God gave them exactly what they believed. Listen, when you trust God, you recognize He is all-powerful. You recognize that He is all-knowing, that He is sovereign, that He is righteous, that He is truth, that He is faithful, holy, and love, that He is just, and that God is never changing because He is everything that needs to be already. Joseph trusted God. And look at what it says. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. James David wouldn't come. He showed him kindness. And granted him favor. Isn't that what you want from God? But while Joseph was there in prison, while life was happening in a way that Joseph didn't understand and didn't like, while he was in prison, 13 years, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. Oh, great. Now I'm in charge of the prison. I guess it's better than nothing. No, that's not his attitude. He just trusted God. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. 
while you go through your trouble, do you trust him? And listen, we need to be able to say this about each other. While John Horn was without a job, for almost two years he trusted God. While my parents, Jerry and Carol, lived in a travel trailer for five years trying to help start a church, they trusted God. While Amy has not been able to overcome her health issues at this point, she's trusted God. While Lisa has had to have major knee surgery and full of infection, she's trusted God. And the story goes on and on and on with all of you. You trusted God. Oh, it's, it's better than that, though. It's way better than that. While John Horn went without his job for two years, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor. While mom and dad were living in a travel trailer for five years trying to start a church and the struggles and difficulties that come with all of that, the Lord was with them. He saw them. He showed them kindness and granted them favor. While Amy, while Lisa, while Kate, while all of you, listen, if you let him, if you'll trust him, no matter what you're going through, if you'll trust Him, He will show you kindness. He will be with you. And He will grant you favor. And while you're alone, He will be with you. And He will show you kindness. And He will grant you favor. When your marriage isn't working, if you trust Him, He will be with you. And He'll show you kindness. And He will grant you favor. Do you believe this? While your job feels like a prison... If you trust Him, He will be with you and He will show you kindness and He will grant you favor. If you trust Him, while your children are being morons. If you trust Him, He will be with you and He will show you kindness and He will grant you favor. While your bank account is dry. I could go on and on and on. Listen, God is way bigger than all your needs. Do you trust Him, though? Would you bow your heads? Listen, if you believe that God has brought you to this wilderness to die, then you forgot who He is. If you, got, if you believe that God has brought you to this prison to rot and die, then you forgot who He is. You see, the wilderness is the path to the promised land. The prison is the path to the palace. And you've got to begin to see it. Your struggle, your pain, your difficulty, whatever it is that you've going, you're going through, it's time to see that this is God's path to where He wants you to be. And trust Him and believe in Him for it. Trust Him with it today. Listen, you can't trust a preacher. You can't trust a man. You can't trust any person. But you can become trustworthy because of who Jesus made you to be. And you can trust Him. And today is the day that you begin to believe in who God really is.
begin to truly believe. You see, what you believe about God while you're in trouble, it matters. Do you trust Him? Stop waiting for a man to trust. Stop waiting for some man to come along or a woman to come along and deliver you and help you. Look to Him. Look to Him. Heavenly Father, today we've heard this message, this call from you to trust you. And there are some here today that have had some things happen in their lives like Amy shared. Humans have really, really messed things up on this earth. But God, you can be trusted. And so today we turn our hearts towards you. And we know that your word says that you'll take whatever the devil and men mean for bad and you'll do something good with it. We know that. And so God, today we trust our future to you. We belong to you. And I pray, Father, that in this decision to trust you, that there will be healing that begins to flood into their lives our lives, to know that God, whatever we've gone through and are going through, that you have a reason, you have a plan. And we submit ourselves to that plan. And like Joseph, maybe there's people counting on us on the backside of this to get it right. We thank you. And maybe there's somebody here right now that's given your heart to Christ. Just talk to him. God, I accept you for who you are, what you like and what you don't like. And I invite you to come into my life. And I want to live the rest of my life accommodating for your presence in me. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God.